to This is the Day with Pastor Wade Scarborough. It is our prayer that something is said or done to make your walk through this journey called life a little lighter and brighter. You can follow Pastor Wade at Real Pastor Wade on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. He looks forward to walking with you on this journey together to breakthrough, victory, redemption. Pastor Wade is anointed and experienced in multiple areas of life. God uses him to have us look at our challenges in ways we may never have seen before. Now the moment we've all been waiting for, Pastor Wade Scarborough. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to This is the Day with Pastor Wade Scarborough. As always, it's an honor and privilege that you have taken the time out of your life to walk with me on this journey that we call life. For those joining us for the very first time, thank you for uh, tuning into the show today. We really love and appreciate you. Let me just tell you what this show is all about. If this is your very first time, we discuss various topics that in the church that you don't talk about maybe on a Sunday or at a Bible study or just shut down from talking about it altogether because of the sensitive nature of the subject. All of us, no matter what you think, feel or believe without judgment will not be made here to feel like your feelings or opinion is not valid as we have a conversation freely here on This Is The Day with Pastor Wade. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the world today. Come on, y'all. Let's let's talk to me. This coronavirus, uh, social injustices, uh, not only just uh, against black people in America, but in people in general. Uh, just the lack of respect that we have for one another is what stimulated this whole conversation because it is at a all-time, all-time, all-time high. We all must share this planet and occupy the same space. This leads us to continuing this conversation in episode five on how to treat one another. But before we go into today's topic and continue our uh, conversation, let's review uh, for our first time visitors, uh, those tuning in for the first time, uh, in about episode four. And I, I encourage you, I urge you uh, to go back and listen uh, to episodes one through four. Uh, they will bless your life. Uh, trust me, um, it is something that we all need to hear uh, and we all need to now not only hear it, but also apply it as well. And then also, I would suggest you also listen to my uh, 10 Principles for a Successful Relationship, a series that we had, a conversation that we had before how we treat one another. Uh, they go hand in hand and definitely will bless your life. So, what did we talk about in episode four, y'all? Let's let's remind, uh, uh, let's uh, inform some of our new people right now. Uh, one of the things we talked about were the five negative commands of how to treat one another. Uh, and those five negative commands were uh, do not judge one another. Uh, uh, you know, in Romans 14, 13, it says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in our brother's way. We're not supposed to be a stumbling block and definitely not supposed to judge one another. The next one was do not have lawsuits with one another. Hey, you know, I told you I'm in California. You know, this is the Sue happy state. They suing people for the oxygen. They suing people because they ain't wearing masks right now. Look, do, do not have lawsuits one another. And then also that was from first Corinthians six and seven. It says, actually, then it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with, uh, with one another. Why not rather be wrong? Uh, why not rather be defrauded? Basically saying, look, work it out with your brother. Look, it is better to be wrong than to take your brother to court and have lawsuits. That's what that's saying. Also, the third one was do not bite and devour one another. 
Uh, that was from Galatians 5.15. But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. Look, 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 we got to stop consuming one another. You see that is going on right now, whether you're black, brown, white, Asian, yellow, it don't matter right now. Everybody is taking a bite and devouring one another right now. And we definitely, 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 did I say definitely? Definitely you must have to stop that. Also, the next one was do not challenge and envy one another. Woo, my goodness. Haters, where are my haters at? Yeah, that's what that is saying right there. It says in Galatians 5, 26, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. My God, oh man, it's getting tough already. Man, I feel the eyes. I feel somebody just, just you know that rolling the eyes and somebody just suck their teeth like, they just did that right now. I just felt that right now. Also, the next one says, do not speak evil or complain against one another. My goodness. That's from James 4.11. It says, do not speak against one another, brethren. Man, there's that word brethren again. You know how I feel about that word brethren because we're all brethren. Uh-oh. Somebody cue the crickets right now. We are all brethren. It don't matter what if you're white, black, brown, Asian, yellow, it don't matter. We are all brethren. The people in your community that you live next to right now are your brethren. Remember, I said it don't matter if you were born of a woman in this world. You are a spirit. You live in a body and you have a soul, which is a mind. So therefore, we are all brethren. We share that. My God, I know somebody hates me right now. Also, in James 5, 9, it says, do not complain brethren against one another that you yourselves may not be judged behold the judge is standing right at the door next one it says do not seek glory from one another yeah you know that them glory seekers you know you want man's approval versus god's approval uh oh i'm sorry you want people to recognize your brand name oh uh, wow versus you uh, don't know how to treat uh, one another treat people with respect you should want to rather want God's approval of what you're doing and who you are, because that is God's measuring stick is if you love him, if you're one of his disciples, is how you uh, love your neighbor, how you treat your neighbor. Oh, they don't like me now. John 5, 4, 4 says, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from one and the only God? Oh, man, somebody might drop that right now. Oh, I didn't write it. Don't get mad at me. Don't kill the messenger. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a clear and concise review for all our new people. And then also, if you even listen to the last one, just to bring you back up to speed as we go further into this uh, into this conversation. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, as always, we're going to take off together in this plane. So make sure that your seat and your trade tables are in the upright positions. And for some of you, make sure your mask on. Oh, boy, don't get me started on that. And if you're listening with somebody, say, you ready? Good. Look back at them and say, I'm ready? Yes. Well, then let's go. Well, today's conversation is, we're going to further today, is the positive commands. Like the last time we dealt with the negative commands. And the positive commands, the means, and focuses on the attitudes. Oh, boy. Attitudes. Attitudes. What do I say, y'all? Where are my people at? They know what I say. Your attitude will determine your what? You guessed it your altitude. Your attitude will always determine how high you would go. Understand this. Watch this. The positive one another passages in scriptures express the means and the methods for living as members of the body of Christ and as brethren, their brethren again, together in the family of God. These passages always focus on two things. Watch this. It always focuses on attitudes 
and actions. Whoa, whoa. They always go go together because whatever attitude that you have towards something is always going to filter into your actions. Remember this, since attitudes form the soil and the root out of which your actions grow, we will look at the, these one another injunctions or commands that focus on attitudes, particularly those that uh, enable us to obey the one another commands. Understand this. Attitudes can be like cobwebs. Woo-wee, here we go. Which clutter up the mind and cause us to fail in the purposes of God. Oh, man, I could just stop right there. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, that just preaches itself. That's just a sermon all by itself. Your attitude is like cobwebs that just clutter your mind. Because, you know, when you got attitude, you can't think straight sometimes. Oh, boy, somebody mad at me. Somebody got attitude with me right now. I, I feel it. I know they do. Or, listen to this, can be like an interstate highway. Oh, boy. Anybody that is in an area with, uh, with backed up freeways to an automobile smoothing away to our destination. Chuck Swindell writes, and I quote, this may shock you, but I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is my choice of attitude. That is, ladies and gentlemen, is that not the truest statement right there? Are you serious right now? That is so true. The one thing we all have control over right now is our attitude, how we perceive things. You know, there's a lot of things that's going on uh, in our lives, you know, out not only out in the world, but in our personal lives. But if your attitude determines your altitude, you you have the choice and the power right now to choose your attitude. Remember this. It is more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, my successes or failures, fame or pain. What other people think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position. That's how important your attitude. Your attitude is more important than all of that. It's more important than your past. It's more important than your education, your bankroll, how much money you make, your failures, your fame. Your attitude is more important than all that stuff, all your circumstances, all your possessions. Attitude is that single string. Oh, my goodness. You know, that single string. Uh, On that instrument, for all my musicians out there that are listening, attitude is that single string that keeps us going or cripples our progress. It alone, watch this, it alone fuels my fire or it assaults my hope. My God, your attitude. Is that not what's going on right now, ladies and gentlemen? So let me get this straight. Come on, walk with me. So you mean to tell me my attitude can either uh, fuel my fire or it can attack the hopes that I have. Cause you know, the Bible says hope deferred, make it the heart sick. But when it comes, it's like a tree of life. So if things that you're hoping for are, are delaying you're if you're in that waiting period and you're still hoping for it, you got to watch your attitude because if your attitude is wrong inside of that hope, you will be sick because your attitude is wrong. That's why if you maintain a great attitude, when that thing finally comes, my goodness, it's going to be like a tree. Like, it's going to be like, oh, my goodness. Ooh, it's like it's, it's bad to be uh, in the desert. There's what we call the desert experience. But there's also what we call a wilderness experience, wilderness experience. So a desert experience is where everything is dry. There ain't no water. Man, you see in mirages ain't nothing real. But here's the thing. You're always in hope that there you go, that something's going to be better, that something's going to change. 
So once you get back to the wilderness, once you come out of the desert experience into the wilderness experience, that wilderness experience is going to be like a five star resort because in the wilderness, at least there is green. At least there is some water, vegetation, some food around in the wilderness. You may not have everything that you need. But it's better than being in the desert where ain't nothing but the scorpions, snakes, sidewinders, sand, dirt, dryness. Woo! Come on, y'all. Y'all better walk with me on this. Also, when my attitudes are right, watch this. There's no barrier to to too high, uh, no valley to too deep, no dream to too extreme, no challenge to too great for me. Because attitudes are so important. Scripture has a great deal to say about our thinking processes, which produce our attitudes, which in turn produce our actions. Proverbs, my man Solomon, Proverbs 23, 6 and 7 says, shows that a man who is thinking selfishly with invariable act of hypocrisy. It says, do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies. For as he thinks within himself, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. See, ladies and gentlemen, everybody that's with you ain't always for you. And just because somebody offers you food and drink, you need to watch their attitude and how they're giving it to you because there may be some strings attached. Uh-oh, uh-oh, wait a minute, uh-oh, uh-oh. That's why I always say there's a difference between being nice and kind. Because when you when you, when you you kind, that's what they call acts of kindness. Being kind, you, uh, but being nice or acting nice, there's always there could be a hidden agenda behind being nice. Uh, somebody always want, want something because they're being nice to you. But when you kind, kindness expects nothing in return. Next thing, Matthew 12, 33 through 37 says shows what we say is but the product of how and what we think and believe. Scripture teaches that wicked behavior is the product of wicked and deceitful heart. You can also look up Jeremy seven, uh, Jeremiah 17, 5, or Matthew 23, 26. Also, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. The problem is, listen to this, stinking thinking. Thinking that is lacking divine viewpoint and faith and the power of purposes of God. My goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, there's so much stinking thinking going on right now. You got uh, generational hurts, generational curses. You got uh, people still carrying the weights of what things that happened in their family. Uh, and even in black culture, we still carry the weights of what happened in slavery, what uh, the white America has done to black people just in this country, the foundation of what this country is built on. We uh, suffering from uh, being hunted down by uh, policemen, not all policemen or women, but some. Not all policemen or women are bad, but some are. And they're dedicated to the killing of black people. And this is because there's a stinking thinking going on. There is a poor mindset going on. There is a superior mindset that one group is more superior than another. Oh, my goodness. So if we're talking about how we treat one another, we definitely can't have that thinking because I thought we were all a spirit. We live in a body. We have a soul, which is mine. I thought that we were all God's creation. I'm sorry. I'm the one. I, last time I checked in Deuteronomy 8.18, it says God is the one that gives you power to get wealth to establish the covenant. He didn't say I give white people the power to get wealth. Uh, 
I'm sorry. He didn't say I give black people only the power to get wealth and stuff. He didn't say I only give Latinas the only power to get wealth and stuff. He says I give you power, meaning everyone. Equal playing field, the power to get wealth to establish his covenant. So we got to get off this thinking, stinking thinking that one culture is more superior than other. Ouch. I know. I know. I know that Israel is the apple of God's eye. I get it. It says that. But also we've been grafted into the body of Christ. And don't get me. Uh, let's not get started about who the true Israelites are. Oh. Let me leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to back up off that right now because I'm going to be in trouble. Next thing, <laughs> to grasp this concept, it is helpful to divide sin into two categories. Here's the two categories. The first, the first category is at visible acts of transgression against the commands and principles of Scripture. And then the second one is the inward acts of transgression, which is sins of the mind and attitude, which would include subtle violations of our Lord's command to love. Let's go further right now into the verses that focuses on attitudes. Command one, you got to have the same mind with one another. We're going to go over six different things and variations of this command. Have the same mind with one another. The believer is commanded in scripture to have a different mind, to develop a biblical viewpoint, and also possess a Christ-like attitude in all things. Romans 12, 16 says, be the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Romans 15.5 says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. My goodness. Number one, you must have the same mind means knowing and understanding scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, even, I'm talking to believers and non-believers alike. Remember, I always told you that the Bible is the best self-help book, self-motivational book. Uh, it don't matter if you need inspiration, if you need wisdom, uh, if you want to know about love. It is a roadmap. It is the best book of all of them. Why? Because every book that anybody has ever written came from there. It was inspired out of the Bible. So what happens is if you understand how God views relationship and how he wants us to treat one another, because they are principles, because they are commands from him, I'm telling you right now, it will filter into every relationship in your household or in your life, period. Listen to this. From the word of God, we need the infusion of God's thoughts, which are indefinitely higher than ours. Uh, and that's Isaiah 8. 55 through 11 says, then in faith, we need to apply his truth as we depend on the indwelling spirit. The need is to think with the same kind of viewpoint, to possess the same kind of attitudes towards the life of one another. We need to have the mind of Christ, to think with his values, to possess his vision, and to allow that to change our attitudes, which in turn will change our actions and pursuits. First Peter 3 and 8 says, to sum it all up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. The term, listen to me now, the term harmonious is literally of means of one mind, like-minded. 
It comes from a word, uh, homophron, which is spelled H-O-M-O-P-H-R-O-N. Matter of fact, it's probably it's really pronounced homophron with the H is silent. But it also means the actions of being brotherly, kind hearted and humble all stem from having one mind thinking with the mind of Christ. Next thing, Acts 1 and 14 says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Acts 246 says, and the day by day continue with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Acts 4, 24. And this is really significant because this is, this is the church. This is how we're supposed to fellowship with each other. 4, 24 said, and when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord. Oh, my God. With one accord. Oh, can I say that one more time? With one accord. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to get on one accord with each other. It ain't just talking about being on one accord with each other just in a church setting. It's talking about being on one accord as well as far as being brethren. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And it also says, oh, Lord, it is thou who didst make the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Also, Acts 5 and 12 says, and at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people and they were all with one accord with Solomon's portico. In each of the above verses that I just went over, ladies and gentlemen, with one mind or one accord is another word called homothumadon or, or omothumadon where the H is silent. From the word homos, which is H-O-M-O-S, which means one. And then thumos, which also, which is T-H-U-M-O-S, which means passion. So we have to have a, be on the same chord, have one mind with passion. Oh my goodness. And you know what the thing about passion is? That means your heart's in it. See, all this treating one another, love one another, uh, how to be in relationship with one another is a heart issue. Everything that's going on in the world right now, as far as with social unrest, all the division, we are in a storm of division right now. Do you know what the issue is, what the root of it is? It's a heart issue. So until we correct the heart issue, because out of the heart come the issues of life. Out of the mouth, the abundance of the heart speaks. So everything that you see happening right now, where people can't control what they say, they just want to say any old thing, well, well, you got white people just saying any old thing. Black people want to say any old thing in response. Look, what's happening is you seeing all the issues come out. So therefore, because of all those issues are coming out, it's affecting how we treat one another. My God, I don't have any friends right now. I feel like I'm on an island right now. Patmos, just like John was by himself. Romans 12, 16 says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Romans 15.5 says, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant to you be the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. In these two passages in Romans, the verb is fronio. fronio. See, look. Don't be trying to pronounce all these Greek words. I'm telling you, it's tough sometimes. And that word is spelled P-H-R-O-N-E-O, which means, 
first to have an understanding. And then it means to think, be minded in a certain way, phronio. So what happens is we got to have an understanding. Remember I said in earlier episodes, man, we got to understand each other. We got to be able to, all the cultures need to come to the table and look, we got to understand what each other is coming from. That is the most important thing. And then we got to think. That's why the Bible says, come, let us reason together. Oh my goodness. In all the above verses, we see the positive actions of the body of Christ are tied into possessing the same mind or mental attitude, which form the dynamic for its ministry in the world. For your own study, compare also. You can look at Philippians 1, 27, or uh, chapter 2, 3 to 5, 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, or 2 and 16, or 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, or uh, also chapter 13 and verse 11, also Romans 12 uh, and 2, and then also 1 Peter 1, 13 and 4 and 1. The second thing, when we talk about uh, these commands and being of the same mind, is two is having the same mind means thinking with the word. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there's got to be a center of the wheel. There's got to be something to where it's the referee with, to all these issues. I always say to married couples that I, I cancel, I counsel, that basically there has to be a center to where something has to make both sides play fair with each other. And I'm here to tell you the word of God makes people play fair when you apply God's word. So what happens is if we're going to be of the same mind, we must be in agreement that there has to be a referee, which is God, which is the center that keeps both people honest. Because I'm here to tell you, God is not on just white people's side. God is not just on black people's side. God is just not on a Latino side. God is not just on Asian side. God is not just on Indian side. God is on everybody's side. And that's the thing. We got to understand, we just think, some of us just think that God, oh, I'm just more favored than other person. No, you have favor. Now, your favor also may be connected to your, is also connected to your relationship with God as well. But that don't mean you better than somebody. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Man, somebody is mad at me right now. They Somebody throwing darts at me right now. I'm sorry to hurt your feelings, but that's just the truth. Understand this. To have the mind of Christ means to think with the word of God. To live. Not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's scripture, y'all. So that we bring our thoughts and actions into harmony with God's viewpoint by applying God's thoughts to everything we do and to everything that happens to us. To experience God and the joys of his plan and purposes for man, man must know his word. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10 says, for as the rain and snow come down from the heaven and do not return, there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11 says, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without it succeeding in the matter of which I sent it. Ladies and gentlemen, 
This is why the word, this is why the way God thinks must be the center, must make me the final determining factor, must be the referee in how we treat one another. Because the way God see it, we're obviously not seeing it because we want to do our own thing. No, boy, somebody don't like me now. The devil sought to get the Lord to live independently of his father. This is back in the Bible. So this is where the devil tried to tempt Jesus and also at the beginning of his ministry. Jesus not only countered each time with the scripture, but he quoted Deuteronomy 8 and 3 to show how vital God's whole counsel is to our ability to handle temptation and sin. Matthew 4, 3 through 4 said, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. See, the referee, the sinner. Here is Jesus being tempted, just like a man, even though he's 100% God and 100% man at the, at the exact same time in his hypostatic nature. What happens is here is the devil appealing to him in his humanity. and But Jesus, even being God, knows that the only way he can get through this is there must be a sinner. There must be something that guides all of his action, and he's using the word. He said, it is written. This is where we have to go as far as relationships, how to treat one another. We need to say and come in agreement. It is written. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Somebody better walk with me right now. Somebody better hashtag that on, on my Facebook stories on my Instagram stories on, on this is a day, uh, Facebook page. Look, put hashtag. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh my goodness. The number three is having the same mind means regular renewal in the word. Oh my goodness. So if we have the same mind and we all agree that the word is going to be the center. It's going to be the manual. It's going to be the guideline of how we treat one another. Then what happens is th through the word and because we're applying it, it will keep renewing our mind. So that means we won't be uh, falling back to our old way of thinking. We won't be falling back to what uh, our, our so-called, and I'm holding bunny quotes in the air, our forefathers did. We won't be uh, uh, holding to their principles. We'll actually be holding to God's principles. Oh, man, somebody don't like me now. Somebody say, wait, he's not patriotic. Well, I'm not patriotic. I'm a, I'm, I'm a black man that lives in America, and this way of life was forced upon me. Now, since I have to be here, guess what? And you are all my brethren. Therefore, I'm mandated by God to make sure that our relationship with each other and how we treat one another meets God's standards. Oh my goodness. They don't like me now. It says it requires biblical truth for its development and maintenance, daily renewing of the mind. Romans 12 and two says, and do not be conformed, conformed. Don't be conned and then formed. Uh-oh. Don't be conned and then formed. Oh boy. Let me say that again. Ladies and gentlemen, stop being conned and then formed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. My goodness, Ephesians 4, 23, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
It requires conquering thought patterns by focusing on principles. Come on. Didn't we just say that? Focusing on principles and promises of the word. Second Corinthians 10, four through five said for the weapons. Oh my goodness. We could just stop right there for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, there is weapons all over the place. And I'm just not talking about guns. Not those kind of weapons. You're talking about weapons. People's words are weapons. Oh, man, people's words are, are, are penetrating. People's words are worse than guns sometimes. Because at least if, if somebody shoots you, you, you can just die instantly. But people's words, when they shoot their words, when they shoot their venom out of their mouth, when that weapon goes off and you don't control that weapon, that can leave such a long-lasting effect. How do you think we got where we are? And yet, here we are. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to take captivity uh, of our thoughts, what we think. We need to take captivity also of the words that we say. And we need to bring it all unto the obedience of whatever our center of the wheel is, which is the word of God. Because this is the only way in society. Right now, the, world, the way the world is at this moment, this is the way that we are going to get past all of this social injustice, all this social unrest, all this. See, everybody want to play with it. They want to call it fancy words like racism and, and they want to hide behind Black Lives Matter and all that kind of stuff. They want to use fancy words. But the real word for everything that's going on is the word prejudice. Prejudice, period. Now, we can hide right behind the word racism and make it all sexy if we want to and, and talking about sexism, racism, all that. But it all comes back to one word, prejudice. And when you have prejudice, prejudging someone because of something else, whether it be their color, whether it be their sex, whether it be how much money they make, whether whatever it is, whatever you're prejudging them for, this is the big disease that is going on in our society, why people are marching and protesting right now. Why are uh, we got our black men and women are dying in the street because of a word called prejudice. And then because there's prejudice on one side, it only invokes prejudice on the other side, the people that are being oppressed. So how can we ever treat one another as God wants us to treat each other if we are constantly prejudging? cause and effect, action, reaction to one another. That's why there has to be, there must be a center of the wheel, a referee to get us back on track. And God has already given us the manual. God has always given us the way already. Y'all don't believe me right now. Y'all want me to stop? I can stop. Seriously. Look, I can do some other stuff right now. We can have, we can continue this conversation later. I'm just trying to help all of us move in a direction. See, right now, the church is being quiet. They're being silent right now. You know, everybody want to protect their brand name right now. People don't want to uh, 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 
upset the apple cart, as they say right now. There's so much division going on in the church right now. There is more fear in the church than it is the world right now. And it's upsetting to me. Oh, my goodness. Nobody want to listen to me. First Peter 1 and 13 says, therefore, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Number four of having the same mind means possessing an attitude of joy. Oh, my goodness. Man, we got to get our joy back, folks. We got to get our joy back. It says pain come for a night, but joy come in the morning. Pain should only come for a night, y'all, not 450 years. I'm sorry. That slipped out. So pain should only come for a night because if we stay in pain and wake up the next morning, we got to give joy its place. And what's happening all over the world is people are still into yesterday and not letting joy have its place. Because this is the day, come on now, that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What's happening is nobody is being glad in the next day that's given. So joy is put on pause. And guess what? Pain gets to stay right there. It is dominating the world right now. Oh, my goodness. They don't like me now. Somebody just pull the plug. Stop. Stop. Stop the show. This, come on. They upset with me. Understand this. We develop an attitude of joy through biblical vision for and the submission to the calling and the purposes of God. In Philippians 4 and 8, we see again on emphasis on our mind and our attitudes. They can be kept free from bitterness, blame and self-pity and hopelessness, pessimism. If we cast our cares on the Lord and trust in his sovereignty by getting rid of the stuff that chokes out God's viewpoint, we create space for hope and joy and, and joy to take his place. Number five, my God, I hope this is helping somebody. I hope I still got some friends out there, y'all. Well, y'all let me know if y'all still my friend at Real Pastor Wade and Wade is spelled W-A-I-D. And let me know if you're still my friend. Just put hashtag, this is the day I'm still your friend. I, I need that right now because this is tough. You know, trying to talk about how to treat one another. Man, I know it's falling on deaf ears. You know how I know it's falling on deaf ears? Because there people are not changing because people are still upset. People are letting their pain uh, dictate how they treat their neighbor. Oh, my goodness. Number five of having the same mind means an attitude of humility. Oh, my goodness. Woo! I think people didn't forgot how to spell humility. No, nothing what it means to be humble. You know, everybody want to be the star. Everybody want to be the superstar. Everybody want the light shined on them. You know, there's so many people trying to make a name, and I'm holding the bunny quotes in the air, make a name for themselves right now in this moment so they can be a star. Just so people know their name. So people just talk about, well, they stood up in the middle of all this trying to seize the opportunity, not try to move humanity forward. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, oh man, I'm just going to leave right now. I'm just going to take my headset off, y'all. Look, we can just end the transmission right now because, look, somebody hate me right now, but it's okay. I still love you anyway. But understand this. Humility is never self-depreciating. Rather, it is recognition of who we are by God's grace and leads to the use of our abilities and loving service for others. Humility allows us to take the position of John 13. Religion 
and religious striving are far too often egocentric. And though this can be purified and brought into service of God and others through the word, too often true religion is corrupted and nullified by cravings and striving for power and security. The opposite of submission, humility, and trust. Ladies and gentlemen, that's, that just speaks for itself right there. I don't even know. Need to, we don't even need to elaborate on that. My God, that hurt me to just say that. And number six, and we almost done. Come on, y'all. We talking about it today. We going to get the point. We going we, we to cut this, the head off this snake of hatred and division and prejudice right now. Let's get to it. Number six of having the same mind means an attitude of loving family affection. See, and this is a tough one because when you talk about family affection, because here's the thing, you can choose your friends. You can choose your friends. And some of y'all, even with the ability to choose your friends, we've been choosing wrong. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. You have the ability to choose your friends. You have the ability to choose your mate. Because there's no such thing as just one soulmate. I just want somebody to know that. I heard somebody feeling right now, somebody praying right now, that God send them their soulmate. And God is not a puppeteer. He's not going to send you one person. There are many soulmates because when you talk about soul, you're talking about mind. And when you're talking about a soulmate, what you're asking for, this is free, y'all. I'm helping somebody. When you say, I'm looking for my soulmate, what you're saying is I'm looking for somebody that thinks and is going in the same direction as I am. So what you're talking about in a soulmate, what you're looking for, especially if you're a believer, watch this. I'm helping somebody. Somebody about to get free. You're looking for the God inside of the other person. And then once you look in and identify that you guys have the same God, you have the same love for not only God, but each other and are going in the same direction, hence your soulmate. Oh, boy. Somebody just, just disagreed with me right now. Some woman right now, I know she upset. No, there's one guy for me. No. <laughs> there's a few guys for you. You just need to choose right. You just need to choose the God inside of them and see if it connects. Guys, you think there's just one? Well, guys usually don't think like that. But the goal of guys that just think there's just one soulmate for you? No. There's a few that have the God inside of them. You need to choose. Choose ye this day. <laughs> Today I set before you life and death. You choose. God is not going to choose somebody for you. You have to choose them that have the God inside of them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was a free one. If you want to send me something for that one, that wasn't even part of the show. I just needed to help somebody just on that one. But back to the loving family affection. What happens is you can choose your friends, but you cannot choose your family. That even makes my point even more. You can choose your spouse, you can choose your mate, you can choose your friends, but you cannot choose your family, which is interesting. So, because you can't choose your family, you must develop an affection for them. Sometimes it comes natural. Now, some families, man, you find out these, these folks that's in your family, you like, man, I want to get far away from these people as humanly possible. But here's the thing about family, that blood connection. Romans 12 and 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference 
to one another in honor. See, when you have that family affection, you know how you love uh, dad and mom. It just come natural because there's just there's just an affection that you're supposed to have, a brotherly love that you're supposed to have, that love you're supposed, you're supposed to give honor to one another. Christ became one with us that he might feel for us in our humanity. Likewise, as brethren in Christ, God wants us to become more and more devoted to one another so that we place the needs of others above ourselves. This is what it means to have that loving family affection because sometimes in family, when you really love them, you put their needs before your own. Mothers do that constantly a lot. That's why, uh, even though dads, that's why we got to step up. Because, man, I am tired, especially these athletes. They get on a TV in the interview, and the first thing they say is, hi, mom, thanks to my mom. And then even if Pop was there, even his dad was there, they'd be like, yeah, and then my dad. What? Guys, we have got to step up. But there is something about that mother, that nurturing spirit that she has that, man, these children, they remember that. Because the mom usually is that, even though dads do it too, I'm not trying to lose you, fellas. I'm not trying to separate you because, look, I know a lot of great dads. Like one uh, uh, one dad right now, the producer of this show, Kevin Clayton, is a phenomenal dad. I know a guy named Taven. He's an amazing dad. Ruben, amazing dad. Uh, uh, Daryl, an amazing dad. Look, Shane, both Shanes, an amazing dad. My pastor, an amazing dad. Listen, there are so many amazing dads that are part of my life. Elder Warren Campbell, an amazing dad. He's, a, he's even a spiritual father to me. I'm telling you, there are so many amazing fathers. And look, what is happening is those men that I just mentioned, I hate to say, are far and few between. And I even know more. When you talk about Terrell, there's so many amazing fathers that are in my life. But what happens is these, these mothers, what happened, they have this such a loving family affection that is, that is infectious over children, over the world, because that's who they are. They're the stabilizers of home. We all have to get to that level with each other because Romans 12, 10 means we are to love one another with family affections as brothers in Christ. My goodness, I hope this is helping somebody. I hope y'all still like me because, you know, I love you guys, seriously. And I'm just only trying to help. And we're going to close with this. Understand this, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot impart to others what we do not ourselves possess. Our relationship with one another always manifests the reality of our life with the Lord and the condition of our thinking and attitudes. Often, the prayer that most in accord with God's word is not, Lord, change my wife or children or or church board, but Lord, change me. Let me say that again. Our prayer, ladies and gentlemen, should not be, Lord, change my wife or my spouse. It should not be just change my children or change my church board. Those are idle prayers. What we should be always saying or praying is, Lord, change me. The big question is not simply, is Christianity true? 
There is plenty of historical evidence that it is. The basic question is, what is the difference it is making in my life and the way I think and believe? This is what the world looks for in our lives as evidence of reality. And that's what the church needs in its relationships with one another. The all-important ingredient, watch this, is our focus and attitude of trust in the Lord. One of the best illustrations I know of importance of keeping a focused and right attitude is found in a book by Chuck Swindell. Love me some Chuck. Strengthening your grip. In this colorful 19th century showman and gifted violinist, uh, Niccolo, Niccolo Pagiani was standing before a packed house playing through a difficult piece of music. So he was a musician. It was a full orchestra surrounding him with magnificent support. Suddenly, one string on his violin snapped and hung gloriously down from his instrument. Beads of perspiration popped out of his forehead. He frowned and continued to play, improvising beautifully. But the conductor said, or he was surprised, by a, a second string that broke. And shortly thereafter, a third string broke. And there were three limp strings dangling from Pagiani's violin as the master performer completed the difficult composition on one of the remaining strings. The audience, ladies and gentlemen, jumped up to its feet in good Italian fashion, filled the hall with shouts and screams, bravo, bravo, as the applause died down. The violinist asked the people to sit back down, even though they knew there was no way that they could expect an encore. They quietly sank back into their seats because, look, there was three strings broken. There was only one string left. He held the violin very high for everyone to see it. He nodded uh, to the conductor to begin the encore. Then he turned back uh, to the crowd. And with a twinkle in his eye, he smiled and shouted, Pagiani, the, and one string. And after that, ladies and gentlemen, watch this. After that, with that one string, he placed the single string Stradivarius beneath his chin and played the final piece on one string as the audience and the conductor shook their heads in silent amazement. Amazement. And Pagiani in his one string was able to continue the concert. Understand this. This may shock you, but I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day -day basis is my choice of attitude. Attitude is that single string that keeps me going or cripples my progress. When my attitudes are right, there's no barriers too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. But yet, we must admit that we spend more of our time concentrating and fretting over the strings that snap and dangle and pop than the things that can't be changed than we do giving attention to the one that remains our choice of attitudes. For the believer, however, we're not talking about just a positive attitude. We're talking about an attitude that comes from a heart focused on God and that trusts in him. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray you enjoyed our time together as much as I did. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to episode five 
are how to treat one another. I thank you and I appreciate all your support and your responses. New episodes will release every Thursday on iTunes and Spotify at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Please remember to subscribe and don't forget uh, and don't forget to just listen just one time, but listen more than just one. Get these episodes ingrained in your spirit because faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Also, for anything to become a habit, psychologically takes 60 to 90 days, 66 to be exact. Remember, in all thy getting, please get understanding. Don't just sit here and take my word for it. Get understanding for yourself and then practice implementing what you have learned. Applying how we treat one another is the only way we can turn it around for good. A special thanks, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, to my man, Kevin Clayton. I love and appreciate you, bro, from I Am Music Group for producing this show. This Thank you, Erica Duff, for the artwork. The Flow Therapy Morning Show with Coco B and Frank Nitty on the Uncommon Gospel Network. Alex Teamer, a.k.a. A-Team for the baseline. Pastor Warren Campbell, that is my pastor. I love him. And Lena Bird-Miles for This Is Day intro. A special shout out to all the California Center, California Worship Center family in North Hollywood. Remember to subscribe to This Is The Day on whatever podcast platform you use. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Real Pastor Wade. And Wade is spelled W-A-I-D. And remember to post any subject titles you would like discussed on This Is A Day Facebook page or feedback on my Instagram or Facebook stories on what you thought about the conversation. Always remember, and never forget this, always remember, God believes in you and so do I. Till next time, this is the day. This is always the day for breakthrough, victory, redemption. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to subscribe to This Is The Day with Pastor Wade on any podcast platform that you use. You can interact with Pastor Wade with questions, comments, or subject titles you would like discussed. You can follow Pastor Wade at Real Pastor Wade, that is Real Pastor W-A-I-D, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.